This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Hello, and welcome to Rocks to Roots, the conservation conversation podcast from the backyard to the back 40. I am. Tongue twister. That is a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, I'm the I'm the producer Brennan. I'm here with uh, the host Hillary. How, how's your uh, How's your week going? It is going good. I'm loving the October weather, and it's my favorite season: fall, pumpkins, mm. hot cider. Ooh, do you go up the Green Bluff? Farms. Um, yes, I like to go up to Green Bluff, and I also like to visit the farms <laughs> at the South Spokane Farm Corridor. Um, all are great. I just love farms. In general, so. I I love. You know what? That's a good point. Going up to Green Bluff in the fall is fun unless you get stuck in a mile of traffic. That's true. Yes, yes, yeah. you can be sitting there for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> have you been? Um, have you guys gotten your pumpkins yet, or did you decorate? Do you decorate your house? No, we don't. My kids want us to decorate the house. They want to get a Jack Skeleton. Like they they really love. Oh. They really love uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. And they really want to get something to put up in the yard. We're not really, we're not seasonal putting up decorations <laughs> people, but I guess I could get behind getting something for the kids, I guess. <laughs> and do they have their Halloween costumes picked out? They do. We went, to, I, I took Link to Costco last week and we got a, we got him a, he's going to be like a knight and then Ivy's going to be Wonder Woman. Very cute. Yeah, it's uh, they're very simple children, so it's very, it's very <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's very like it's, and I love just getting them their costumes early because then they just wear them forever. Like they love dressing up, and they I can just be them all month or all year. Well, if I they th- want. mean, I think my, Link's still wearing a, like a Spider-Man outfit from like two years ago when he was three. So love he's that. Stretching into that. I remember growing up, my brother wore a Power Ranger costume <laughs> everywhere. To the store, to school, everywhere. I love when kids do that. Link got a Power Rangers outfit for um, his birthday, and he also got a Hamilton outfit for his birthday as well. He, this kid, dresses up for every day. He's always either wearing his Hamilton jacket or his Power Ranger suit, or now his night outfit. He's he loves dressing up. Oh, I love that. Kids got to stay young. Yes, they do. So let's let's get into this week's podcast. We had. Pat Muntz, the food systems coordinator from the WSU Extension. Yes, we did. We got to steal Pat away from her busy days, just being a program coordinator, an educator, an author. I mean, this gal wears many, many hats in our community and here in our region. And we had a great conversation just about her work at WSU Extension Mm. and the programs that they offer, including the Cultivating Success Program that is coming up here and kicking off October 20th. Mm. And then we also got to talk to her about her extensive work in community gardens um, just here in Spokane County and um, also beyond as well. So yeah, it was a really great conversation. I'm really excited for our listeners to uh, take a listen to it. 
yeah, she was she was a real treat to, to talk to and just learn all these things about the community gardens and and yeah, cultivating success. I it's I don't think people realize how much WSU provides to the community out. They you think of it as just like a college, and then really there's just there's so much more that that the university provides to everyone. And she touches on that a lot in this episode. Yes, tons and tons and tons of great resources um, over at the WSU Extension office. Well, let's go ahead and our Rocks to Roots podcast guest this week, Pat Muntz. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us on Rocks to Roots, Pat Munz from the WSU Extension. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. Well, we are so excited to have you. I mean, educator, program coordinator, regional director, committee member, columnist, author. You wear many, many hats around here in our community and regionally for the farming, food, and gardening industries. So thank you for taking the time to be here today. I'm glad I could come. (laughs) Well, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you a Spokane native? No, actually I'm not. I grew up uh, on the west side near Shelton um, and I kind of jokingly say I grew up grew up in, on, and around southern Puget Town. Hmm. So um, I come from a uh, you know lumbering uh, community, small oh. town, and we've been in Spokane here since 1976 when I followed a geologist husband here. (laughs) (laughs) And so how long have you been involved with the WSU Extension Office and what is your current title there? uh, I've been uh, with Extension since 2006 and I am the Small Farms and Urban Ag Coordinator for Spokane County. And that means simply that I work with uh, farmers, I work with community garden folks, I work with people uh, starting out uh, agricultural projects, farms, community gardens, you know, it, it runs the gamut. <laughs> and so why did you decide to uh, choose this career path and what kinds, types of training and education um, do you have in your background? Well, it's interesting, but I didn't go looking for this. It found me. Oh. <laughs> I grew up um, being close to nature. I, you know, I playing out in the woods was far better than anything else in the world. So I started gardening before I even left home. And so I, you know, I gardened um, off and on uh, through college, Um, met a geologist, so I'm back to the earth. Um, And then uh, worked through several other different professions, uh, including a lot of international work with uh, professional uh, uh, exchanges all over the world. And um, but my my touchstone always seemed to be agriculture, and so my degrees are not in agriculture by any means. One's in international marketing, and the other one is in forest recreation. Mm, um, but uh, as I as the two thousands started, um, I was working kind of in an uh, agricultural area and the opportunity to start working for extension came up. And because it's more of a networking job than anything else, um, all of what I'd been doing really fit in beautifully. And so um, I've, uh, you know, it's all been seat of pants learning um, and taking some classes when I could through WSU. 
Um, but I just enjoy being around farmers. Um, they're they're real people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. So what is the WSU Food Systems Program? The program uh, is uh, was started, well, took on the name of the Food Systems Program about three to four years ago, and it came out of the Small Farms Program that had been around WSU for probably 20 years. But it still does the same. It speaks to connecting people uh, both in the academic world, but in the farming community and resource people um, who, you know, all work together to make sure that there's a, a, a market for uh, local farm production. So why are small farms so important to our state here of Washington? Well, I think we all saw it this year. It's probably the best example. Uh, when the uh, COVID struck... A lot of the folks, all of a sudden, we had people who were looking for food for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our small farmers were able to pivot very quickly. It just happened to be at the right time of the year for them. Mm-hmm. And they were able to uh, bring the, their uh, produce and their animal products to the folks who needed them the most very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because they're small scale, they could do that. You have a larger scale or the industrial level farm. They aren't geared up to work one-on-one with people. Their their equipment is too big. Their supply chains are cumbersome for uh, community-based distribution. And they just, uh, the farmers have a very great spirit of community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think one thing that needs to come out of COVID is that we start strengthening the integration of the small-scale ag, which is which is agile, into the system, so that the next time we have something like this, we have a plan for how to to uh, bring them online to be very key partners in whatever disaster or emergency we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say that amidst this pandemic, it has that grow your own food movement has mm-hmm. never been bigger and no. it's it's great and so so I know that that WSU food systems program has tons and tons of great resources to help people and you don't have to be a farmer you can no. you can just want to grow your own food in your backyard mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. on your balcony or you're not limited to whatever space you have so what is the mission of the WSU food systems program and um, what is the important thing to come out of that? Um, well, the mission is kind of two-pronged. One is that it's intended to transmit uh, the research-based information that comes out of WSU so down to the level where it can be applied by the farmers. Mm-hmm. The second is that it's a networking organization. Um, we all work together to make sure that, you know, in the case of COVID, there was a lot of uh, emails uh, and information coming out from the USDA, uh, from Farm Service Agency, from risk management that needed to be transmitted quickly to the uh, the farmers. Uh, and we were part of that, making sure that that word got out. Some of the counties uh, held special um, online workshops to explain some of that to the farmers so that they could get 
all of the uh, value out of the programs that the, the federal government was offering. Yeah. But it's a lot of networking. It's a lot of finding solutions for problems. I get calls all the time, you know, well, I've got this going on. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I may not know the answer, but I certainly can find them someone who does. Right. And so the food systems is systems program right now is is offering a once a week hub meeting as we call it uh and that's a chance for anyone in the agricultural system uh or resource person to join us to hear uh we speak we have a special topic every week um but it's a chance for people to get to know each other uh and then you know if if we find someone uh, who needs resources and we can connect them right there, then that's then our job is done. Hmm. Well, that's great. And I know that uh, we had Lisa Allen on our last episode, and that was one of the things that they also discussed within that in the Northwest Farmers Market Association mm-hmm. is just to have that network of educators and farmers and have all those additional resources, have also that support system mm-hmm. for, that, for those farmers is just so important yeah because when you get down to small-scale agriculture there's a huge community uh, connection in it and it if without that community it it doesn't mean anything in it because the more the farmers are selling into a direct market which means they have to know their communities to be able to offer what that community wants Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other programs that the WSU Extension facilitates as well? Well, Cross Extension, uh, we are the home of the Master Gardener Program. Uh, We are the home of 4-H, which Mm. is our youth development program. Uh, We work uh, on a federal grant. Uh, We call it Food Sense, um, but that works in the schools uh, to help learn or help uh, low-income kids uh, learn about nutrition, and when we aren't uh, under COVID restrictions, they learn how to do some cooking. They learn how to do meal planning, and and a lot of low-income families just don't have the resources to provide what we would consider balanced meals. Uh, they may not even own a stove, mm-hmm. um, so you know that's part of it. Um, so that's our, our extent. And beyond the local uh, extension office, uh, we have research stations around the state that support tree, tree fruit, uh, grapes, hops. Um, up in uh, Skagit County, we have a uh, research station that uh, supports um, the vegetable seed production. That's, that's seeds for uh selling for seed into a you know for a farmer and they also have the bread lab which is researching grains <clears throat> and how they can be used in in uh making bread and other other uh flower-based products. Wow, that's interesting. So like I had mentioned before, um, you wear many hats um, here in our community and in the region. And I know this time uh, last year, we were prepping for the Farm and Food Expo because that was the committee that you sat on. What are some of the other committees that you currently sit on? Um, Um, I'm on the board for the Washington State Farmers Market Association, uh, the Link Co-op here in Spokane. Hmm. Um, I work with... um, I'm uh, 
cultivating uh, success instructor. So I work on a, the statewide committee for that. Um. <laughs> put you on the spot here yeah i know, I know there's, a there's a whole list <laughs> there's a lot out there yeah <laughs> i you know i i i've you know i've been involved in an awful lot over the years and it's it's been fun no oh, that's great so what are some of the biggest developments that you've seen over the years regarding the gardening and farming here in our local area when i started in 2006 um one of the reasons i got into extension was that I had been working on a, a grant with the Spokane Regional Health District mm. to start community gardens in the area. Mm-hmm. And when I started, we had maybe six or eight small ones scattered around. And uh, we spent five years uh, trying to create a system so that there would be more gardens. Um, and that has grown now to, I don't know, the last time I did any kind of account was 65 but there are gardens popping up that I never even hear about. So it's well mm-hmm. over that 65, and that's that's throughout the county. Mm. So I think the development of a community-based gardening uh, program is probably one of the biggest. Um, the other, Beth Robinette and Joel Williamson wanted to start Link. They need, needed a platform to gather farmers, and we offered them some space at the Farm and Food Expo. And they got 25 farmers who hung around after the show was over to start the Link Co-op. So that's a big uh, huge. event, huge. Yeah. And that that, yeah. that uh, organization is is already over a million dollars in gross sales this year. So, I mean, even with COVID. Just seeing that the, the small-scale agriculture people uh, come together and learn to work together and build farmers' markets um, that's probably been a huge, the, the best thing that I could see come out of things. They're, mm. they're forming uh, co- uh, relationships amongst each other to build strength. And they're, they're building enough strength now that they have the confidence to step out and say, hey, we are an important part of the economy. So, yeah, you just touched on the work that you've done for the community gardens here. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit more. So what does it look like creating a system to get a community garden started? Well, a community garden is 90% community and 10% garden, mm. which means, you know, for someone or a group that wants to start a garden, they really have to build the community around the idea. You know, find the resources, find people who can, who are energetic and, you know, share their vision. And then finding the people who have the technical background, the, the somebody that owns a drill and knows how to use it, um, people who have pickup trucks so that they can build the garden. Um, and then... From there, then they can either take a piece of land that they're aware of and start building it and then have the garden up and running. You know, it doesn't take really very long to build a garden. You can build a good one in two weeks, easy. Hmm. Um, but then also build the <clears throat> the uh, social network so that the garden can operate uh, easily, uh, gently, so that the, there's continuity, because if you don't have good leadership and good community input, the garden will die. Mm. Um, and and we, we saw that a lot when we first started working on the gardens. One person would try to start a garden, and inevitably they would burn out about halfway through the summer, mm-hmm. and it would go away. 
And so by building a community first, then you're, you're building your opportunity to keep that thing running. Mm-hmm. So obviously the community support is a tremendous benefit to any community that these gardens will be going into, but why else are a community gardens so important? What we've seen here in town is that it brings neighbors together. Uh, they get to know each other. There's, there's, there doesn't seem to be social boundaries when you get into a garden. Everybody's there just to garden. It doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people look out for each other. They learn from each other. The beginning gardeners can learn from the experienced gardeners. They all gain confidence as a community to to look after their neighborhood, and they do. They they watch around their garden plots and they protect their community. There was a study done by the universe or the uh, New York uh, School of Real Estate that said that uh, uh, a well-managed community garden can actually impact the house val- uh, the housing values within a two or three block radius of that garden mm, because wow. somebody driving into the community says, "Oh, this is nicely taken care of. They must mm-hmm. care about their neighborhood." Yeah, definitely. And they're kind of they're kind of a security system too. I mean, I know uh-huh. one garden here that saw some kids or guys standing on a corner, and they turned it into the police. And there was a drug house about two blo- two houses down. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're they're eyes in the eyes in the community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in the community gardens, are they just focused on produce, or can is there a variety of things that you, they grow in the community gardens, or are they really just kind of focused on? Um, you know, it really is, the flavor of the garden is determined by the gardeners. Okay. Some of them have berry patches. Some of them have bees. A lot of them have, you know, flower, just flower beds. Hmm. Others are just, you know, the traditional vegetable patches. Uh, some of them have a requirement that, you know, half of what you grow, you donate to a food bank. Mm-hmm. Um, or they set aside beds that are just all donated and everybody has to chip in to take care of them. Um, it really is whatever the garden uh, group decides that they want to, how they want to arrange it. Most gardens charge a fee for the garden and part of it is to pay for the water. Um, we don't get any breaks from the city. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, have a little bit of a slush fund if, you know, we finally want to build something you know that we can sit under to get out of the sun you know or some other improvement in the garden but that keeps people working together because they know they have a few resources to do something what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen when trying to get these community gardens up and running or started um it depends on the neighborhood sometimes you go into a neighborhood that's not used to organizing themselves so you have to do a lot of coaxing uh, convincing uh, to find uh, the leaders who are willing to come out of their their I don't want to say shells but I can't think of another word <laughs> their shells yeah. to to step up to be the leaders mm-hmm. because I as a facilitator do not want to lead a garden um, it has to be led by the group mm-hmm. and um, the biggest that's a big challenge sometimes dealing with vandalism and things like that can can uh, really hurt a garden group because, you know, after a certain point, some people say, well, what's the point? It's just going to get ripped out by somebody. Um, And we've had a couple gardens that have had some issues around that. Mm. But um, the biggest biggest challenge is just getting a cohesive group together. I mean, the rest of it you can fix. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) 
So has COVID affected the work that goes into community gardens um, and the, the collaboration at all this year? Um, well, there were we, we put out guidelines at the beginning of COVID. You know, this is how you can work in your community garden because there were some major questions about, well, you know, are we even going to be gardening? Mm-hmm. But they came, they came through, and from what I've heard, they've all worked, you know, around whatever issues they had so that they were providing uh, food. I know, I know there was waiting lists on some gardens because everybody decided to take up gardening because <laughs> you couldn't yeah. do anything else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so I know that uh, Growing Neighbors got a, quite a few new uh, folks into gardening. The master gardeners have been really busy trying to answer uh, online questions, and a lot of them are food-related food, uh, uh, questions. You know, it's... It's been a really interesting year because gardening has been the go-to hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how would, if somebody wanted to get a community garden started in their neighborhood or their area, how would they go about getting that started? Well, first suggestion would be to make sure you talk to a number of people. Find a core group of about six to eight mm. uh, folks who are willing to, to you know, really put the work in. Um, and then start, maybe start looking for a site, you know, if you don't already have one, um, because the thing is you need a site that is easy to, uh, access, that that has water available readily, and that it's, you know, the host of the garden, uh, has a way to get some insurance, um, because it's really not a good idea to operate a community garden without some kind of liability insurance. But then they can start, you know, and I facilitate a lot of this, but start working uh, as a group to learn how to, how to lead, how to, you know, get some leadership skills. If we need to look at some beginning garden, gardening classes, then we can tap into the master gardeners to say, okay, you know, we can help you learn how to garden as you learn how to lead yourselves. And then start fundraising on the community, get community partners. Um, Sometimes community gardens will stencil the name of a business on a box if, if a business is willing to, to buy what the equivalent of uh, cost of a box is. Mm-hmm. Um, or shared, shared uh, commitments. Sometimes, you know, if they're with a church or a community organization that has a building, then, then the group can meet there so that have, they have a meeting space. And then uh, set up the, the networks that, uh, that can get food to the food banks and whatever programs like that. It's really quite fluid, but it, bas- it, it goes around, focuses around the uh, building of leadership, the building of camaraderie, finding the people with the technical skills, the gardeners, eh, maybe a lawyer, uh, maybe an accountant, um, you know, those kinds of people that, you know, you really can't live without when you come down to a problem. Um, You know, and and just network with other gardens because sometimes you can pool resources. What are typical, like, sites that people can find? Like, is it like, is it like purchasing or is it like someone's someone has like extra space in their yard or how typically well it usually we've a lot of our our gardens are either on public land you know that's owned by the city mm. they're at churches 
Uh, it's a little bit of a problem to have someone start a community garden in their on their home lot because normally homeowners insurance companies want nothing to do with a community garden. So it ends up, you know, we look for publicly available sites in an organization who's willing to let us come in. I, buying land for a garden is really expensive. Putting in water for, for a garden, you know, you have to run a line out from the middle of the street in, and now we're talking 10 grand just to do that, and that's not the watering system for the garden. Mm. It's, you know, it's, so it's better to kind of slip in and, and uh, borrow resources from another organization that has access to them. Are there mm. any, like, size guidelines on how how much space or not really the only the only fast and hard number that i think of in a community garden is that the boxes shouldn't be any wider than four feet Hmm. they can be as long as you want they can be you know different shapes but that's a that's a a measurement that you can reach from both sides of the box Mm -hmm. to get to the middle of the plants Oh. You know, there are there are gardens Where's out here that have <laughs> 10, you know, 10 by 10s or 15 by 15s, and they serve a purpose, um, you know, and maybe the gardener, you know, likes it that way, but the only, the only set measurement is <laughs> that four foot. Mm. They can be anything else beyond that. Mm. I guess I didn't even think about that, the reach. <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> so you mentioned... Um, getting some community um, partners or sponsors um, are there who are a few if you can name a few that you've worked with over the years who have been good supporters or great supporters of community gardens they've been a lot of neighborhood groups um, churches um, okay. sometimes we've worked with some schools you know they, they they mostly so that they can have access to a garden box and then different gardens reach out into their own communities for you know maybe donations from the local grocery store or some of the larger uh, box stores and the like have grant programs that people can take advantage mm. there are some big companies in town who help out in their neighborhoods and uh, you know so they that people will you know, can tap to, into them. Um, Bartech has been amazing. They're the, the compost uh, folks who process our clean green. Mm. And they've been very generous with our community gardens. Um, usually people can get, if they have the space, they can get one of their huge trucks for the cost of the haulage fee mm. uh, to donate to the garden. And their compost is absolutely gold. Nice. Mm. So, I mean, it's it's really, we don't have a formal citywide structure for it. Really, right now, the gardens are pretty much working amongst themselves uh, rather than, you know, having, say, a, a whole, all 60 gardens come together to, you know, go tap some resources. It's, it's, it's very much neighborhood-driven. You also mentioned um, another really great resource that we have here in town um, is the Master Gardeners Program. Mm-hmm. And so for those that aren't familiar, can you um, talk a little bit about the that program and some of the benefits that they offer? Well, the Master Gardener Program is a WSU extension program, and each county has a group. We have over 200 Master Gardeners in our program here. Oh, wow. And uh, we offer... Our services, uh, our, our plant clinic is at the extension office. Unfortunately, right now it's not open, but 
We're taking questions online, but we offer that service free. We offer a lot of classes um, to the community uh, so people can learn how to garden. And those are either taught by master gardeners who have years of experience, or sometimes we bring in specialists uh, from the university or really good local people. But the whole goal of the program is to provide research-based gardening information to the public so that they, they know that, that, we, that this has been tested, that, that this works, because there's a lot of programs out there that or a lot of um, information out there that's not necessarily good. You know, it may sound really good, or it's a, but it's, it's not sound um, gardening practice. And we try and make sure that we filter those, those out so people are getting accurate information. We, like I said, we have our plant clinic. And, and the uh, plant clinic is like you can, you can bring in a leaf, and if it has uh-huh. this weird spot on it or, any, oh, yeah. or something, then uh-huh. you can take it in there and they'll help identify what the issue yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can bring in plants. We've had whole trees dragged in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but insects, uh, diseases, identification, they can, they can do all of that. Mm. And, you know, to use the clinic, it doesn't cost anything. Got some books and things there for purchase if you're interested. But that's a resource that ever, anybody in the city can and anybody in the county can do. If it happens to be a farm, you know, uh, dealing with what they say more than an acre, those questions come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it turns out to be a professional landscaper that has a question, those go to Tim Kohlhoff because he's the professional evaluator. But it's kind of a uh, joint intake place that we can really share with the community our knowledge and, and information. Well, and I know that I do definitely follow the Master Gardeners Facebook page. And yes, they are always posting really great tips and tricks and resources. So if you aren't following Master Gardeners of Spokane County on Facebook, definitely look them up. Great, great resources. And it's all for free. Stay tuned for more Rocks to Roots right after this. Hey there, Rocks to Roots listeners. Are you liking this episode? Make sure you leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening on. Let us know what you think about today's subject, what we can do better, and any other thoughts you may have. Also, make sure you visit our website, rockstoroots.org, and continue the conversation with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. There, you'll be able to find additional information and resources about today's guests and the topics we discussed. Thanks for listening. All right, so I'm going to kind of switch gears, and we're going to go from garden to farm. And (laughs) I know that um, WSU Extension also has a wonderful program called Cultivating Success, and I heard it's its 20th year. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Wonderful. And so that's getting started here in just a few weeks. So can you tell us about the program and kind of its emergence? Well, the Cultivating Success, like you said, has been around for 20 years. And it's a series of classes uh, that helps beginning farmers and even uh, practicing farmers improve their business skills, their farming skills, so that they're actually able to take their they're either their dream or their existing farm and do a better job of managing everything in it. Our beginning course is is called uh, 
it's transferring from uh, sustainable small farming and ranching to whole farm planning. And traditionally, that has been a multi-week course, about 12 weeks, and we cover everything in that from crop production, animal production, insurance, taxes, accounting, uh, marketing, soil management, sustainability, so that you can, you, if you come into that class with an idea, you can actually sift through a lot of the major questions that you would have in starting a farm. And if you decide at the end of the class that, no, this isn't for you, you've only spent the registration fee mm. rather than thousands of dollars to realize that right. oh, this isn't what I want to do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so COVID has really pushed us to start a brand new method on this. We are going to be doing a virtual course this year and it's only going to be nine weeks but it will start October 20th and it'll run through December 15th and it will cover most of the same topics that the traditional course does but it will have uh, the first hour of the class is going to be a statewide virtual get class and we'll bring speakers into that from our statewide pool of, of experts. And then the la- second half of the class, the last hour, is going, we're going to break out into regional groups. And our Spokane group is going to cover Spokane, Stevens, Ponderay, Ferry, Okanagan uh, counties, and the Colville and the Kalispell Reservation. People can register online. Our registration is open now. It will be open through October 16th. Veterans, because of a grant we have from the... Uh, Veterans Administration uh, will have free uh, uh, registration. And that registration on all levels allows you to bring your family or three members of your farm uh, group together on the same registration. Because farming is not done individually. It's a family or a teamwork. Registration is $125 uh, for for non-veterans. And if you go to the... WSU Food Systems Program website, the registration will be on there. But we're hoping that this this actually breaks new ground for us. We've always dreamed of being able to access all of our, our really top-notch resource people on a statewide basis. And this this has forced us to <laughs> to say, hey, you know, we can use Zoom to, to bring in all of these people and really make it a, a a really dynamite class. The only thing that people will have to have for it is uh, good internet access um, because it is all video uh, based. Uh, so that that's, you know, what we will check that out first day. We'll find ways around it if you know if you have sketchy uh, connections mm. or you can take advantage of some of the new hotspots that extension and other partners have set up around the state at libraries at extension offices at fire stations city halls you know so if you're if you have bad reception you can just simply drive into one of those hotspots sit in the parking lot and uh, take your class Virtual learning. Virtual Gotta learning. Learn. It's, Gotta it's, love it. it's the way it's going to go. <laughs> We're not going back to just in-person stuff when this is all over. And that's one of the, the mm-hmm. I say, the, the silver linings out of this COVID things. I think We're, we got all got pushed into the new realm of doing things virtually. Mm-hmm. 
So can you let us in on some of who are going to be some of our local speakers and what some of those well, topics will include? Well, at this point, include? I'm hoping Eric Choker from the uh, Conservation District can come in and teach people how to take a soil sample and then how to read a soil report because mm-hmm. that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have some panels of farmers, uh, both crop and animal people, who can share their experiences of, you know, what they succeeded at and, and what they really messed up royally. Um, those are the better stories. Yeah. Right. Um, and then we'll have other resource people. We're, we'll have uh, uh, Northwest Farm Credit Services and FSA come in to talk about uh, getting ready for a banker or work your finances. Maybe you don't want to take a loan, but it's nice if you know how to do it should you need to go out for those resources. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the class, what we're going to ask people to do is to take all the things they've learned and apply that to presenting a whole farm plan of how they're going to use, how they're going to use the information that mm-hmm. they got in the class. And in the past, we've had everything from just uh, written reports to some really nice-looking maps to PowerPoints, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. But, you know, it's, it, the whole idea is to have people some apply what they uh what they've learned and you know even if you don't have land if this is nothing but a dream you can always put your dreams on paper you know and then you know go find the piece of land that matches the dreams Mm -hmm. so you say uh well and so this program is for beginning farmers so over the years what have you what's the demographic of you know the people that come and do this program i mean are they quite young or well, you know, that's really interesting. It isn't just beginners. I've had people who've been farming for five or six years come in, oh. and they said, well, you know, I started out by the seat of my pants, and maybe <laughs> I thought I learned something. We've had everything from 20-somethings to 70-somethings in, in ages. Okay. Um, a lot of folks, you know, young people who want to get into farming as young people, we get a lot of folks who are either retired or getting ready to retire, you know, who want to do something, you know, along the agricultural line for retirement. Spokane being where it is, uh, we see a lot of veterans, and I see a lot of active duty uh, duty folks who are close to retirement or the, just that they, you know, they want to go play in the dirt. We get people who have only been in the Spokane area for a couple of months. Wow. They got a lot to learn, but, you know, I mean, it's it's all over the map. Well, I love that you, what you said is instead of spending thousands and thousands of dollars figuring out if this is even something you want to do, you know, you can just pay that registration fee of $125 and then really get to... Yeah, you can walk away from it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so what subject do you love teaching small farmers about the most? I love teaching them about, uh, about local resources. Okay. You know who they can go to talk to. I, when in, when I don't have to condense the class like we're doing this year, I always do a unit on the geography, topography, climate of our area because a lot of people don't realize, you know, the impact of the glacial floods that we had. They don't realize that be, we have a lot of uh, canyons and valleys that come down off the mountains that, you know, will drain cold air down and, oh, yeah, you're in that cold pocket. Teaching them to understand, you know, what they can do with their soil. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Other than just take cultivating success <laughs> program, what's the biggest advice you would give someone who is thinking about starting a farm or just getting out and gardening? Just start. Mm-hmm. You know, for a gardener, you know, get some good regionally based garden literature. You can get it from master gardeners. There's there's a number of good books out in the in the Pacific Northwest that people can rely on. But just start experimenting. But, you know, keep it small. Don't, you know, don't try to do a half acre garden your first year. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe start with maybe some tomato plants <laughs> or pepper plants or something like that and and get used to the idea of of gardening. Farming, to get started in that, I would say start with some research. You know, if you're if you have land, that's great. You can come to our office and we can help you do some evaluation on that ground so that sometimes we have run into situations where people thought they could do something on a piece of ground and they couldn't because of soil conditions. I've actually had one one class person who decided not to buy a piece of property halfway through class because he realized he couldn't do what he wanted to do on it. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he backed out of the agreement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can help you evaluate what you what your capabilities are and what, you know, your what what are the resources you're going to need and just start learning to play with it. Well, that's awesome and I'm so glad that we have this program here in our community. So, you heard Pat cultivating success kicking off October 20th and registration is up and available. So, we will go ahead and we'll link that registration mm-hmm. on our Facebook page and we'll have a link to it on our Instagram page. Anywhere else people should know that they can? Well, just to remember that registration is open through the 16th. Okay. Um, and then veterans, uh, if they go to apply, there will be a form on the, the uh, registration page that they need to fill out, and that will be forwarded to one of our program people to get approval because we do have to run it through the grant uh people to make sure it gets approved Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean come join us i find that in this class there's the actual learning but there's always there's also the uh, the networking that develops out of it and Mm -hmm. we've had we have groups of students who have started class together and they're still talking years later with each other so it's it's if you want to get to know people who are in the same boat as you this is a great way to start And you don't have to have a ton of knowledge. You can come with nothing. There's no dumb questions. Okay, great. (laughs) So, Pat, what has been your favorite memory um, or accomplishment working for the WSU Extension Office? I think my favorite, well, there's two. (laughs) There's doing the cultivating success classes because I, you know, I've been doing it for, well, 12 years. And... I've had farms, you know, a long enough time now for farms to really grow Mm -hmm. and start and grow and become, you know, leaders in the community. And just seeing those people succeed Mm -hmm. is just, you know, that's really heartwarming. And the other one is start, you know, being a part of the startup for the Link Co-op because that gave our local producers a place to market their uh, produce and their meats in a way that they could take advantage of uh, a, a better uh, give and take of a price and, and uh, availability. And it's, it's really brought the community, the farm community, up to a more competitive scale. Mm-hmm. 
So those are my two favorites, you know, other than the bunch of people I run into all the time. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a good question about the Link Co-op? Um, for those who don't know, what is the Link Co-op? The Link Co-op is, uh, it, Link stands for Local Inland Northwest Co-op. Mm. And it is a group of uh, well of 55 to 60 farmers uh, throughout Northeast Washington who work with the, the uh, folks here in Spokane to bring in produce. Uh, the co-op, uh, the Link Foods uh, helps market their produce and helps deliver their produce. Mm. Uh, so the farmer's not making, you know, umpteen trips to town. So it helps them consolidate their marketing and their delivery. Uh, it also helps on uh, predicting, you know, what what are what are our restaurants looking for? What are our, our smaller scale uh, uh, groceries or other retail outfits looking like? It mm. helps farmers plan. Awesome. So they also uh, have now have a malting facility and they're malting barley and other grains for oh, wow. uh, craft brewers mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah link is the wonderful resource here in um, spokane county too we're gonna have to get them on the podcast yeah as well. i <laughs> think you would yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should so pat what is next for you and for with your career it's on the horizon well uh on the horizon is i am going to be retiring at the end of next year <gasps> you, you are. know i'm you know, I'll be 70, and uh, it's time to go do some new things. So I'm probably going to be doing more uh, writing. Um, got a couple ideas for some more books. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably be doing a lot more environmental work, but I'm still going to be an advocate for the farm and, and the conservation community. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's time to, uh, to find younger blood to to try and keep up with this with the demands of this job. I mean, I love it, but you know, I don't move as fast as I used to. <laughs> well, congratulations um, on retiring next year. Do you think you're really going to be able to retire though? <laughs> uh, well, you're going to try. I'm going to try. Let's just say this. You know. The difference is going to be, if I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And then also before we kind of start closing up, I do want to mention your book that you Mm. wrote. So can you tell us? um, Well, Susan Mulvihill, who is my colleague uh, writer for the Spokesman Review, we both do columns for the Spokesman, uh, published uh, the Northwest Gardener's Handbook, from uh, Cool Springs Press in 2014, and it was the first book that was written for both sides of the mountains and addressed the growing conditions on both sides of the mountain. Mm. And we we go into some sustainability discussion on you know how to manage a garden sustainably. Uh, we have uh, the heart of the book is a glossary of uh, over 300 plants, uh, which of which. 90 percent of them will grow in this part of the, the world, hmm. um, but it's just a very practical, easy book to read. Ball. Well, thank you so much for you're being welcome. here, Pat. We had just such a great time chatting with you, <laughs> and you're just a wealth of knowledge. So I make sure that you guys look up Cultivating Success, kicking off October 20th, but you need to register by October 16th. 16th yeah, okay. You can go to the uh, WSU Food Systems Program website 
to pick up the registration. Okay. And also get involved in your community gardens as well. Yeah. Very important. So Pat, at the end of each interview, we like to just kind of do like a spitball round with just kind of a few <laughs> random questions, um, just so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Just some pretty right, basic whatever. stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are you are, are you okay? Are you yeah, down? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. What is a food that you can't live without? Um, bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, are you an early riser or are you a night owl? Um, I'm a night owl, or actually. <laughs> I, I totally thought you would have been an early riser. So. Well, I, let's put it this way. I would love to be an early riser. <laughs> but, you know, working full time, I need that unwinding time in the mm. evening. And so I like my time in my chair. And unfortunately, my cat also likes the time in the chair. And his oh. idea of getting up at 10 o'clock is not not yeah. working. It's 11 <laughs> before he wants out of my lap. And since the cat rules. <laughs> well, that was actually my next question. Dogs or cats? Cats. cats. <laughs> I love cats. They're so wise. Yeah, they, they seem to find us. We seem to have the sucker neon sign on. You know? yeah. All of our cats have been strays. And oh, they just, uh, yeah. They're just, the one we have now is kind of a medium hair, soft gray uh, with white paws, and we call him Boots. Oh, Mm. cute. I love that name. Um, If you could meet anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, boy, what a question. I think it would be Luther Burbank. Who is that? He was a, a, a scientist in the late 1800s who did a lot of seed development and, mm. and farming. But he did, um, you know, a lot of hybridizing and, re- and breeding to create new varieties. Mm. And he also had a very strong philosophy about connections with the land. And I'd, I'd love to have a conversation with him about, you know, what he sees. And, you know, it would be fun to be able to share what's happening now and and get that <coughs> excuse me that Bless contribution <laughs> oh yeah interesting so yeah i'm gonna have to look him up yeah that's i mean i guess that i mean I, to this that's a big problem right now isn't it with there's not many varieties anymore well yeah that, that's the unfortunate thing we've lost a lot of our genetic um diversity in our in our food crops mm. and that because of industrial farming, um, they either bred crops that all got ripe at the same time mm. or, you know, but they started ignoring the regional uh, crops that, you know, were grown for decades and centuries, you know, that did well in those areas. Or they were they were too fragile to ship. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of heirloom tomatoes wouldn't handle being packed into a huge shipping uh, box, uh, you know, that the industrial farm uh, area uses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, If you could live anywhere in the world, where where would you choose? Puget Sound. Oh, why? I'm a a person of place, Mm -hmm. and I grew up there, um, so I understand the... Uh, the sound, I understand the mountains, the hills, the forests, and how they all interrelate. 
Um, I understand, you know, I have a little inkling of the Native American story. Mm-hmm. So I, I would find myself, you know, um, a beach somewhere that I could plant myself on again because mm-hmm. we grew up right on the water. Oh, wow. Nice. So. All right. And last question, because I'm dying to know, what's your favorite plant or flower? Depends on what season it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like natives and I like plants that are, are uh that pollinators are drawn to mm-hmm. mm-hmm. okay. um, anything that's deer resistant. Um, <laughs> I know. Just dancing around the foot. Yes. <laughs> no, it really, I don't really have a favorite. It's, it's fun to put together combinations and see what works in an area, mm. you know? Um, so I've got a lot of shade in my yard, and so that, you know, that limits to what I can do. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll let you out of the hot seat now. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you, you so much for being here. We You're really appreciate you being on You're our more podcast. Than Thanks, okay. Pat. Bye. <laughs> Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rocks to Roots. Please make sure to subscribe to our Rocks to Roots channel. And also, more importantly, please leave us a review. That's the only way we can get better.